0: Good morning. Happy Tuesday. This is Tuesday, February 9th, and so glad that you're with me and that we are able to open up God's Word, which is God's love letter to us, and we can read it every day. And this morning we're reading from Colossians chapter 2, uh, verses 11 through 17, and I'm talking about the fact that Jesus is the Lord of our assurance. Jesus is the Lord of our assurance of salvation. We have no reason to fear or worry that we need something else in life in order to be saved, uh, in order to have a relationship with God, some kind of special knowledge or special ritual or uh, special um, practice that we do in our life, but rather our simple faith in the Lord Jesus Christ is what gives us our great assurance. And Paul is trying to assure the Colossian Christians of the same thing as they're being deceived uh, and uh uh, distracted by the Gnostic teachers and all of their extra things that they want to uh, uh, add on to spiritual practice. Uh, we pick this up in verse 11, and I'm just going to read it through to verse 17, and then I'll go back and, and divide it up a little bit. In Jesus you were also circumcised in the putting off of the sinful nature, not with the circumcision done by the hands of men, but with the circumcision done by Christ, having been buried with Him in baptism and raised with Him through your faith in the power of God who raised Him from the dead. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the written code with its regulations, that was against us and that stood opposed to us, he took it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink, or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. My friends, those are some of the most powerful verses in the New Testament right here. They're probably uh, fairly familiar to you as you've read them. And I think that it's even greater as we read those words and then understand them in context. And I think the context here, the immediate context is our assurance of salvation in Jesus Christ over against anything that anyone would ever want to add in to your spiritual need. Jesus is all that we need. Amen? There's actually four things that give us assurance here about our relationship with God through Christ. That he is our complete salvation, he's our complete forgiveness, he's our complete victory over sin, and he gives us all that we need. Those four things I'm going to just unfold for you here now. Starting with complete salvation in verse 11, it says, In him, there's two images being used here. The first is the image of circumcision. It says in verse 11, In him you also uh, were circumcised in the putting off of the sinful nature. Not with the circumcision done by the hands of men, but with the circumcision done by Christ. So it's not physical circumcision he's talking about in in the sense of a Jewish uh, practice, but rather the circumcision of the heart that that we would circumcise or get rid of or cut out the sinful nature in our hearts. Well, in fact, uh, all throughout history, uh, God has used this kind of language we look back in deuteronomy 10 16 even back in the old testament god had said circumcise your hearts therefore and uh do not be stiff-necked any longer the idea is that we're to circumcise that sin out of our lives and we're to uh, be soft towards god and not stiff-necked towards god towards god well here of course it's christ who circumcises the sin uh, and in fact, the sin nature out of our hearts and gives us a new nature, which is what exactly it means, not with a circumcision done by the hands of men, but with the circumcision done by Christ. So this image of spiritual circumcision is a, uh, just a way of saying that we have complete salvation in Jesus Christ. I like Romans chapter uh, 6 on this. Romans six ten and 11 says this, The death he died, the death Christ died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. It's because of Jesus he's given you life. He's circumcised out the death, he's circumcised out the sin nature, and now he's given us new life, complete salvation. So that's the image of circumcision, spiritual circumcision. And then he has another image in the next verse, which is the image of baptism. He says in verse 12, "...having been buried with Christ in baptism and raised with him through your faith and the power of God, who raised him from the dead." Again, he's talking about the same thing. He's talking about salvation in Christ, but he's using this image of baptism and not water baptism. I believe it's talking here about spirit baptism. That is, when you became a Christian, uh, Jesus sent the Holy Spirit, to indwell in your life, and so we say you were baptized by the Holy Spirit. You were indwelt by the Holy Spirit. John baptized with water. Jesus baptizes with the Holy Spirit, and we've been baptized with Him. And in that sense, in in the sense of being baptized with Christ, we have been identified with Him. The idea of baptism, in Spirit baptism in Christ, is the idea also of this. Um, this close-knit identification with Christ. And so everything that Jesus has gone through, we can also say we've experienced with Him. So if Jesus has been buried in the grave, right, and has killed sin, right, He died for sin, we are buried with Him. Our sins are buried with Him. That's the image. And then if Jesus has risen from the dead, which He did, then we've done that with Him, right? because we've been identified with Christ through His Spirit baptism. We are as if we are in Christ doing those things. So our sins are buried in the grave with Christ, and then uh, we've received new life through the resurrection that we have with Jesus. It's a wonderful, beautiful picture. In fact, Paul kind of combines those two pictures of circumcision and baptism in verse 13. It says, When you were dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. This kind of summarizes it here in verse 13a. When you were dead in your sins, then Christ made you alive with Him. And I think this is just a beautiful picture of of this complete salvation that we have in Jesus Christ. And then he moves on and he says in verse 13b that we have complete forgiveness. Look at verse 13 again. God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins. Having canceled the written code with its regulations that was against us and that stood opposed to us, He took it away, nailing it to the cross. Notice what Christ did uh, to the law, to the written regulations. He canceled it, right? It was against us, it says. It stood opposed to us. Why is that? Because It reveals who we are and then therefore condemns us and judges us, right? If you read the Bible, if you read the Old Testament, and you read all the written codes, you read all the laws, the Ten Commandments, etc., you suddenly realize that you're guilty, right? I've done that. I've done that. I've done that. I shouldn't have done that, right? Uh, And so we're guilty. It condemns us. It stands against us, you see. But then he canceled it. He took it away. He nailed it to the cross. Now let me just point out that... Uh, he didn't abolish it, right? So it actually still does its work of convicting us. The Old Testament, well, and the New Testament as well. This is talking specifically about the Old Testament and the written law of Moses. Uh, it still does its work. We read it and, it, and it convicts our hearts, right? But it no longer, as believers, it no longer condemns us. Why? Because those sins have been uh, taken care of by Jesus on the cross. And so he canceled, what? The punishment. He didn't cancel the force of the Old Testament. He didn't cancel the conviction of the Holy Spirit working through His Word. But He canceled the punishment. He canceled the judgment. He nailed it to the cross. Christ has died for us. Complete forgiveness through Jesus Christ. Amen? Take that into your Tuesday today. Jesus has nailed it to the cross. Complete forgiveness for those of us who are in Him. This is powerful. And then, look at verse 15. This is complete victory over the power of sin. Verse 15, "...having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross." You see, Satan thought he had won when Jesus went to the cross. But quite the opposite. So ironic. Quite the opposite. Satan didn't win at the cross. Satan actually absolutely lost at the cross. He is. no no longer has control over Jesus. Well, he never had control over Jesus. He no longer has control over us because Jesus has given us new life. And so by dying on the cross, Jesus has taken away all of the power. He has disarmed the powers and the authorities, um, which means I believe that he's disarmed Satan's power over you. Now, do you still sin? Yes, you do. Uh, do you still get trapped in it sometimes? Yes, you do. But you no longer are gripped by that power. You now have the power to overcome it if you live by the Spirit. right? He, Jesus has disarmed that power that is uh, wielded over us by the enemy. I love this verse in 1 Corinthians. I'm thinking a lot about resurrection right now because I'm planning a series on resurrection that I'm going to start this Sunday and go all the way through Easter. And uh, it's going to be on 1 Corinthians 15. And I was looking at 1 Corinthians 15 related to this in verses 54 through 57. It says, death has been swallowed up in victory. I love this. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. He's disarmed the powers and the authorities, which by implication means he's disarmed the power of sin in our lives, he's disarmed death in our lives, etc., if we'll follow him and live in his ways. I like this illustration that sin comes knocking on our door, and sometimes we're tempted to let it in. Maybe we open the door a little bit and we peek and we see that sin out there and we think, you know what, maybe I'll let that sin and don't do it, right? Because let me just say this, let Jesus answer the door. If sin's knocking on your door, let Jesus answer the door because He knows what to do with sin, right? He disarms it. He takes away its power. He shows the truth of it and He eradicates it. Jesus comes knocking on the door. If sin comes knocking on your door, let Jesus answer it. I love that little picture that many people have used. Well, and then the fourth aspect of our assurance in Christ comes in verses 16 and 17. And it's that assurance that we have all that we need in Christ. We don't need anything else religiously. We don't need any other spiritual practices. I've been talking about this for a couple of days. And I'm going to talk about it, by the way, one more time tomorrow because it's, we have a lot to talk about tomorrow. Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. In other words, the Gnostic teachers were telling the the Colossian Christians, you need to add all these things on. These ascetic practices, I mentioned that before, these Jewish rituals, and these astrological beliefs. There were all these things, spiritually, spiritually, Mystically that they were supposed to add on you can see in verse 16 the ascetic practices, okay? Those practices where you're denying the flesh Therefore do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink in other words the Gnostic teachers were telling them well if you if you eat regular food then then you're not doing the right thing you need to You need to only drink water and eat bread or something be very ascetic Um, these are uh, uh, these are additional things that don't need to be added on. Uh, and then the, the Jewish, uh, the Jewish uh, rituals, it says here, in regard to a religious festival or a Sabbath day, these were things that uh, they wanted to bring bring from the practices of Judaism into the Christian church. And say so you need to do these things. All these Old Testament things, you need to keep doing them. but But Jesus taught no, the apostles taught no, uh, it's more simple than that, in Christ. And then, of course, this reference to a new moon celebration. As I was talking about yesterday, this is these astrological beliefs, these look into the skies, look into the stars and the, and the constellations and, and, and all of that. Uh, you don't need that, Paul's saying. Don't buy into that. You don't need all these different practices because it's more simple than that. It's your faith in Jesus Christ and your worship of him. Well, we read this, you know, and we think, well, they were doing it wrong. They were getting tied up with these uh, Gnostic teachers and whatnot. So Paul's having to set them straight. And we read this like it's an intellectual engagement and and woe is them. But the truth of the matter is that we have our own things that uh, we add into our faith practices or that we think that we need in addition to Jesus. I don't know what it might be for you. But I know that in America, we're so distracted and we're so um, uh, dissuaded by uh, the comforts that we experience and want to have and the entitlements and, and, the, and the rights and the liberties and the possessions and the entertainment. These are the kind of things that we really fall prey to and that we really think we have to have in order to have a good life. But you know what? Uh, God is teaching us again and again that first and foremost, we need to have Jesus and His Word to be happy, to be fulfilled, to be assured. We don't need all these other things. Well, some of them are nice. Uh, We enjoy our lives, but uh, let's not let that come before God today on this Tuesday. Let's tell God today we want to be fully dedicated to Him and to His Word because we have complete salvation in Jesus. We have complete forgiveness in Jesus. We have victory over the power of sin in our lives because of the Holy Spirit working in us. And of course, we have all that we need in Jesus. This blesses our hearts. Trust that it's blessed yours today. Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, that you've sent Jesus who has nailed our sins to the cross, as it says here. He's canceled the written code against us. He's canceled the judgment. He's canceled uh, the accusations. And Lord, we rest assured in you, that you have given us all that we need in Jesus. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray for my friends and my church family members today who are listening and joining in. Bless us by your word, by these truths, today on this Tuesday. Dear Heavenly Father, give us your strength. Give us the power of the Holy Spirit. And may we always be thankful for everything that you have done for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I love you all. Have a great day in the Lord. And we will see you again tomorrow morning.